0: Welcome into this episode of Show Your Scars with Jordan and angelie a look inside the journey back from a devastating injury. We may not choose for this to happen to us, but we appreciate who we become in the process. Now let's dive into this week's episode as we share our strength and show our scars with pride what is up everybody show your scars so excited because today is the first of a ongoing series that we're going to be doing the first Monday of every month I will be releasing a podcast with Mr. Stuart Singer and Stuart is awesome he was recommended to me by a friend of mine Tiffany Weimer. she has been on the podcast um and shared her story about her ACL journey. And she is a professional soccer player, still plays, and is figuring out there's so much more to the game than just playing. And one of those things that she's been tapping into is the mental side of her game. And she uses Stuart and his app and his training as a part of her mental game. And so when I first talked to Stuart, this is our, actually our second conversation, our first conversation, we talked for another hour and just threw ideas back and forth. I wish I would have recorded it in hindsight because it was just a really interesting conversation of us just kind of free flowing about ideas that we have in the space of injury recovery and how to get better and how to use your brain as a powerful tool during that but I followed up with this conversation with him and I am excited to share this with you guys because we're going to be doing a lot more with him in the future. Like I said, every Monday, we're going to try to bring you, excuse me, every first Monday of the month, we're going to try to bring you guys a new podcast with him and giving you a little bit of technique on how to use the, the mental side of your game and train the mental side of your game. So going into this, we get a little into a little bit of background about what influenced Stuart when he was growing up, and it's really interesting to, to see who he chooses as both somebody that influences him within his family and somebody that influenced him uh, from a coaching perspective. And we talk further about reaction versus response. We talk about cortisol and how it has a purpose, but if we're always in this fight-or-flight mode, how it can be detrimental to our recovery. We talk about staying present and how mindfulness is such a hot word right now, but how it can be used properly and effectively in your recovery. And he talks about some things you can implement today, tomorrow, and really start to find that you're getting a sense of mindfulness. And these are little, little things. It's three things, and he talks about it towards the end of the podcast. I love this conversation with Stuart, and I hope you guys do as well. I am joined by Stuart Singer, and Stuart is a sports psychologist in the Boston area. Where exactly do you live, Stuart?
1: I live about 35 minutes, um, nor oh, I'm sorry, west of Boston, and about maybe 15, 20 minutes um, north of Providence, very close to like Foxborough, Gillette Stadium.
0: Oh yeah, I know Foxborough. I went to, uh, I saw Manchester United play there when they were on their summer tour, and I lived in Newton when I played for the Breakers, so okay. I kind of right. know. I kind of know Boston a little bit, but you're
1: um, right. Exactly,
0: yeah, but I never got to have a Boston winter, which is I felt really happy about. I didn't need to experience that <laughs>
1: you're definitely not missing anything i wish I wish I didn't experience Boston winters
0: right um, well, before we kind of start talking about your um, what you're doing now, I kind of want to go a little bit into background and what your involvement with with athletics was as you were growing up and then maybe if there was a key part in your childhood or your career as an athlete that kind of triggered this idea that you wanted to be a sports psychologist
1: yeah um i'll try to be quick with it no you uh, just
0: talk we we we'll, we can just talk well quick okay or not quick i think it's a good story either way
1: okay so <laughs> The, the first part is like sports in general were massive um, in my family. Both my mom and my dad were, you know, um, athletes growing up. And then um, my dad and my uncle actually opened a sporting good store that sold all the you name it, everything, you know, balls, bats, um, cleats, shoes, you know, and then did all the uniforming for every youth team every high school team everybody in the entire um, area so like I legitimately grew up with sports being not just what we did but literally our family's livelihood and so you know in a weird way I I think it made it something that mattered maybe too much um, some days And and then um, I had a I have an older brother who's nine years older than me, you know, mm-hmm. was, was really... Uh, was athletic, um, and, you know, he did a lot and carted it around and going to every one of his games and, and all that kind of stuff just kind of influenced me tremendously. And I oh. just had an instant and an, and an aptitude for sports. If I was writing a book report, it was going to be on, you know, I was going to read a book about some athlete that I was, you know, was one of my heroes and right. write a book report about. Like, that's just who I was and, and, and what I was about. And, um, and I definitely had, you know, really good success, um, you know, and, and kind of saw that I wanted to, um, you know, see how far I could take it in sports. Um, and, you know, everything was going well. I, I, you know, I think I was, you know, on the right track. Um, and then there was a point where my, my back started to really get, bad, like as a pretty young guy, like ninth, 10th grade
0: yeah,
1: and was, you know, really caused me trouble. Like I can remember in 10th grade, even literally struggling to be be able to bend over and tie my shoes, but not wanting to stop and and probably being dumb and not understanding the concept of stretching and not understanding the concept of, of recovery um, and all that kind of stuff just kept pushing it and pushing it and probably just kept injuring it and injuring it. Um, and so I think that there was a point where physical stuff started to take its toll on me. And I also remember certainly having moments where I thought I should be better mentally. Um, looking back on it, um, I was probably pretty average mentally. I wasn't horrible, but I also wasn't great. Uh-huh. Uh, but I think at the time I thought I was worse than, than I probably was, um, and my, I want to say my, either my junior or senior year, I think it was my junior year. Actually, my, um, high school basketball coach gave the whole team a handout on like a sports psychology topic. If I recall, it was on visualization mm-hmm. and I remember reading it and being like, this is really cool. Yeah. Uh, and had never really heard of anything before. And like thinking, wow, like people do this for a living. Like I, I get it. I understand why, you know, athletes need this. Um, I understood why I needed it. Um, and it just was something that was fascinating to me, but to be quite honest, um, I was 100% committed to my, to sports and, and social life and not as much to academics as a high school kid. And so I saw that the author of that article had a, you know, a DR, doctor, before. <laughs> and I thought, well, that means that I can't do this because, you know, I wasn't interested enough in education to think that I could, you know, like for me, just getting a college degree, I thought was going to be a big deal, let alone, you know, maybe a master's and a doctorate. So that was just out of the question in my mind, kind of put it on the back burner. Um but I would say that those things massively, like that culmination of experience made me just continually be interested, A, in sports and, and performance, and, and then the, the psychological component was introduced um, probably pretty randomly. I don't think other than that day, we discussed it ever again as a team, or yeah. the coach, or anything ever came up again, but it, it stuck in my mind.
0: Right. It was implanted then. And that was kind of a moment you remember as like looking back, like, Oh, I think I liked this even before I started studying it.
1: Yes, absolutely. And then, you know, and I think the injury aspect is something else that I really didn't um, also understand to be part of a ment. like I didn't understand the mental to that at that point in my life actually my senior year basketball season, I actually, I think it's when I, I ended up, d- did have disc surgery by, by the time I was 22. So I had herniated oh, discs. Wow. So it was, it was worse than what they wanted to believe it was because I was so young that they didn't want to think that I could have actually had that level of damage already. Mm-hmm. But my senior year, which is when I think I really ended up maybe the the beginning of the herniation. Um, I had to sit out two weeks of my senior basketball season and it was, it was really, I remember it very clearly like, wow, like I felt disconnected. I felt disconnected from who I was. I felt disconnected from my team. and I was at every practice. It wasn't even like I wasn't going to things and going to games. I just couldn't participate, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and that was for two weeks. Right. that I felt a disconnect and didn't understand kind of who I was at almost, you know, just in two weeks period of time. So, but yet that was only in hindsight. Then it was, it, I didn't, I didn't, I don't think I understood it, um, the way I do now.
0: Yeah. And with that hindsight, obviously you're going to have, you know, little moments that you think of like that. Like I, I didn't really understand that like I do now, but you also talk about, um, Maybe you didn't realize the influence these people had on you when you were growing up, but like, do you remember a coach or like, how did your parents communicate with you that now you can kind of look back and think like, oh, they, they use the power of, you know, positive thinking or affirmations on me when I didn't even realize that was happening or something to that sort, like maybe something you've learned now that those coaches stuck out for you because maybe they tapped into that within you
1: yeah um I can give you a coach and I can give you um a family you I think know that would be
0: brilliant yeah or
1: more, more personal because they're both pretty influential so yeah. i did have i had a uh, soccer coach at twelve years old probably that was just got me mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and um knew how to get the best out of me and had that perfect combination of I'm not gonna let you slide I'm gonna push you and yet I'm gonna have total belief in you and 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 you know um
0: and make you you feel that
1: affirm you when when you need it and 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 it was like to this day and, and I think the best coaches to a certain extent get that intuitively I think the absolute best are amazing at holding you accountable, pushing you, um, not letting you be anything less than your best, mm-hmm. um, while at the same time valuing you as a human being and and, and knowing when, you, when they need to back off maybe even sometimes. Like I think those are the best of the best. And this was, you know, again, probably 12, I think I was 12 years old, maybe 13. I, I think I was more like 12 years old at yeah. the time. That's and so crazy. still to this day, um, if anything, I think that, that matched up with who I was and then turned into how I ended up coaching. I hope how I ended up coaching, um, athletes is, you know, my, as I got older. And so that was like the coach one. And then, um, and then for me as a, you know, from a family perspective, uh-huh. um, was my father was diagnosed with cancer when I was seven years old and to be quite honest at that age you don't really have a lot of uh memories prior to that yeah. so so I kind of grew up um with the reality that my father had cancer and who knew the year that it was going to be too much and and you know it and and so the great part of that story is that it took 20 years for it to to beat him um wow. And
0: he's a fighter.
1: Yeah, he was a- absolutely. And what he was, was a guy who at least outwardly mm-hmm. never was negative, wow. uh, never bitter. Um He would get diagnosed. He would have an operation. He would do chemo. um, You know, he had portions of both lungs removed. He had scars all over his body. He had, you know, like I said, he went through chemo, you know, multiple, multiple times. Um, and he didn't, did never complain. Um, and I do have one memory of being, I want to say maybe also my junior year of high school where he, he was, uh, on a little bit of an experimental chemotherapy treatment, um, at that point. Um at Sloan Kettering in New York City, one of the biggest you know cancer research hospitals in the in the world okay. and he was kind of on the cutting edge of being treated with this 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 new type of treatment and but it made him unbelievably sick um, and he um I remember he was going to an appointment and he he told me um i remember for whatever reason we were standing outside and he told me i'm not gonna continue this. Um, I don't want to go through it anymore. It's making me too sick. I don't this and whatever happens happens basically. Yeah. Um, and yeah. that was the only moment where he was kind of feeling down and, and, you know, let it get to him. Um, and so he went to the, to the, to his, uh, he was at, uh, Hershey, uh, medical center, which is Penn state's teaching hospital. And okay. they, they were also amazing. And, um, He was at his appointment at the hospital and in came a a kid, um, I think like around 10 years old, who had uh, both of his legs amputated because of cancer. And um, my dad basically at that point said, who am I to feel bad about me? Wow. Um, And so he kept on the treatment and, you know, and, and stuck it out and went through everything yeah. and got their 10 years uh out of it. Um and I share that because again, I don't think I knew any better. Yeah. This was my life, this was the message that I nobody we didn't necessarily talk about how you overcome really difficult things like this. Right. He just he just did that. And the whole family did it, you know, when you're when you're doing something like that, it's really the whole family that's involved and no one ever complained and 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 you know woe is me it just wasn't something that was discussed. Um,
0: it's a learned habit, you know, whether or not it's you know just like when you're teaching a kid falls down on the street, right? Like your your child falls down, and if you react all big and like oh my gosh, are you okay? They're gonna cry, right? But yep. if you react with like a you're all okay. right, and yep. they stand up and they're like oh I'm fine. It's the same thing you learn from your dad. You know, it's all about your reaction to things that happen to you in life. And it's, um, I mean, for you, I'm sure um, difficult to think back on, but also uh, what a cool thing to know that your dad taught you that through his fight all those years.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And and again, it's so interesting, right? Because till later, till, you know, not not this late, but certainly maybe when I was getting my masters was when I realized that that is probably some of those things or some of the reasons why I value the power of the mind and, yeah. and positivity and and you know, just not really accepting that whatever your experience is, that you can't still make the most of it. You yep. can't really control what happens to you, but you can fundamentally change and and learn to react, or I'm sorry, respond Mm -hmm. better to, to whatever it is that does happen.
0: Yeah. And you just did something right there that I think is important to point out. So you said, instead of react, you respond. What's the difference between the two?
1: So, and this is literally key to the foundation of what I do and what I teach is the difference between reaction and response. And so, Reaction is emotion. When we have something happen, the very first thing um, that we experience is emotion, Um, Mm -hmm. anger, fear, uh, doubt, um, frustration. All those things are fast and immediate. It's how we navigate. Originally, we were designed, uh, our brain was designed, um, you know, literally prehistoric time. You know two million three million years ago to just survive, and that survival instinct is emotion okay uh, fight or flight so response is factual uh planned um, uh, rational okay. okay and so you you use that part of your brain when after the thing happens to you, so again. We can't prevent things from happening to us. We don't control the world. Right. But but we can re- control our response to the world. Right. But the very first thing that we're going to experience is reaction. And then after that, it's a, it's a decision. Do we, do we stay stuck in reaction or do we move to response?
0: Right. Um, and I think that's really – those differentiating between the two is so important in how you not only – how you get back from things as an athlete, but as a person too. And you went on to go and become a sports psychologist and do those things. Maybe that you reacted on saying, Oh, if if I have to be a doctor, there's no way I could do that. Right. What was the way that you chose to respond to that situation and say, okay, if I just take it maybe step by step, I can get this degree as a sports psychologist or how did that journey kind of get you to where you are now?
1: Yeah, I mean I think that, you know, I I can say that <laughs> factually yeah. I did my doctorate literally week by week. I I committed to doing what was on the syllabus that week uh, and I did that for um 3 straight years. Okay. Um <laughs> Just because if I didn't, I would get overwhelmed by it. It was too much. At that point, I was, you know, um, already married. I already had three kids, um, a home, a full time job and and was trying to build this practice that I have now. So, so
0: you worked somewhere, you were doing something different and you decided to venture out into this recently. Yeah,
1: I was. um Yeah, I was I was already, you know. I was the assistant director of a of a psychotherapy group um, okay. at that point, and and so um, yeah, so I was and you know and trying to raise a family, have a full right. you know yeah. doing everything. And and when I tried to when I would look ahead, it it overwhelmed me, mm-hmm. and so I had to practice what I preach, and and I broke it down by week, and just said I can accomplish whatever is in front of me this week. And that's all I did for, and I'm not joking with you when I tell you for three straight years.
0: Yeah, that's cool. And cool how um, realistic those things that you were learning and how you could implement them right away and make and enable yourself to get through probably some of the hardest years that you've had just juggling all those things at once. Yeah.
1: You know, I mean, by the time I did my doctorate, I had already, you know, I had a master's degree. I had already spent maybe, um, how many years, maybe, uh, seven years or more. No, probably 10 years at the, um, in doing counseling and, okay. and and being a coach. Uh-huh. Um, so I had a lot of years of already practicing, um, in the mental health world and, and, but it was actually during that time as a, as a coach, um, that I realized, wow, I'm using a tremendous amount of what I learned (laughs) as a counselor, um, in my, to, to be a coach. Um, I realized how powerful the mind was. Um, in particular, I was working at a high school and, and the cross country coach quit, um, literally the week before the season began. Because um, it took a different job, and the kids needed a coach, and I didn't run cross country, um, I didn't do track. Like I and, but they were like, we need a coach, and I said, okay, I'll do it. But <laughs> you know, Jeez. I'm 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 going to be learning. You know, and this was you know varsity sport, yeah. and and so um, not to suggest that I did a great job, um, I don't. But but I do think that the kids, I I ended up knowing that I coached them, um, because I knew the ins and outs of the sport, but because I understand what people need in order to push themselves and, and, and also deal with those moments where things don't work out and how devastating that can be. Yeah. Um, Especially at a young age, when you don't have enough perspective to realize that it's actually not devastating, but it feels devastating, and and so that was what I relied on. Um, yeah. Not you know not understanding you know a deep on. Un- I mean I'm sure there was kids on the team that had a much deeper understanding of the sport than I did. Put it that way.
0: So it was through that that you through coaching and already being working in psychology in a different realm that you were like I actually think I can be more impactful if I combine the two.
1: Yes, 100%. It just it it was a very organic growth towards this is what I should be doing. Saying that, I even as when I got my master's degree. So when I did my master's, I actually did my my thesis on implementing a sports counseling program into a high school. Cuz <laughs> I wanted to do right? all I wanted to do was be a high school coach and, and be a, be a counselor. That's what I, I wanted to do. I wanted to counsel kids because I felt like that's really the power of coaching, especially at the high school level is, is so much about development, um, of, of the person mm-hmm. and, and winning, um, you know, certainly matters. And, and I cared about it. Uh, I have a competitive like nature, yeah. uh, but I, I, un- I think I understood what the, what the, you know, bigger goal was yeah. and so I was like this is what I want to do okay. I just that's all I was going to do but what happened was the more I did it the more I realized like I'm I'm fascinated by this field and I, I just couldn't stop reading and learning I and, love and so, that. that's kind of how it it yeah. you know manifested itself really
0: I love that I love how it just your passion had to fi- find its way through you know you talk about remembering that moment when you were younger and it was going to happen and you just had to be patient, but there here you are now helping a lot of athletes and doing both the things that you love and, and helping athletes become, you know, aware of how they're using their mind in all of, in all the various sports that they uh, play. And I, when we were chatting earlier, what I thought was interesting is you started talking about the science behind why why our brain does what it does, and um how we deal with certain emotions and I think for this podcast, I think it's relevant to talk about just specifically injury and maybe those those feelings that come up with injury. I know that you mentioned a little bit um earlier that you oh what was the word that you just used that it it's not this, but it feels it feels like something, but um
1: Oh yeah that it in in essence it 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 feels monumental when you, when, yes. when something goes wrong and yet ultimately it's probably not but right. but right. you don't have enough life experience to to be able to balance that so yeah. so it it feels devastating when it happens um so yes. yeah i think that's what we we're talking about
0: yes and that, that struck a chord to me because a lot of people going through injuries, especially when you are in these moments as a high schooler, I mean, you talked about being out for two weeks and you felt already disconnected. And I think yeah. okay. even being out a couple of days as a high schooler or a young athlete, you can instantly feel disconnected because you can see your friends doing what you one want to do. And two, you feel like you're not, you're not in on what they're talking about or what they're doing, you know, all those different little things. So um, to have to to go through that, how do you explain kind of a little bit more about the science behind what your brain does in the ways that it tries to, um, maybe even what what we think first off, like aren't our brains um, wired to think negative first? That's what I've been told.
1: Yeah. So there's something called the negativity bias okay. and the the negativity bias is simply that, that we were wired to pick up on the negative, the, the danger that's around us at a rate, um, somewhere to be, you know, it's obviously this is, there's no way to truly measure this, but the belief is somewhere around five to one ratio. Wow. So, so, if you think about, picture this: picture being in a restaurant, you're sitting at the table, and you're having a normal conversation, and all of a sudden, a waiter or a waitress, a, a, a tray, they're carrying out a tray, and it drops, and the the plates and the glasses and everything else hits the floor. Your and your head at that moment snaps around, right? Like, just mm-hmm. what 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 was that? Right. That's the the negativity bias. We don't know what that was, but it sounded like danger. Okay. Okay. Now sit there. Same exact scenario, except um, all it is is someone, you know, just a, another table, just kind of talking. Um, maybe somebody says something a little loud. Maybe somebody says something, um, you know, just kind of with a laugh, but but nothing out of the ordinary. Do you even hear that? Does your mind even pick up on it? And the reality is probably not because there's no danger associated with it. Okay. And so, and the whole reason for that is the survival instinct. That's the, it's all the survival instinct. So in, in simplest terms, when we get injured, if you're an athlete and you get injured and you, your immediate thoughts are, not everybody obviously, but, but typical thoughts are, oh my God, what if I don't get better? What if there's, this is serious. What if I lose my, you know, as simple as, you know, even for me in that two week, what if I lose my starting? Now I I knew I wasn't going to be done forever, but, but what if I, you know, what if I lose my starting position? What if, somebody else steps in and takes my spot. I mean, why do athletes play through injury more than they probably should? It's because they don't want to give anybody else a chance. (laughs) You know I mean? I mean, it, 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 it may sound harsh, but there's a reality that we, you know, we, you know, we don't want to open up that that space for somebody else to maybe take our spot. And, and, and so all those things that we associate with being a part of the sport, um, all of a sudden can be gone. And that creates an immediate reaction, which would be negative. Right.
0: And because
1: then the concept, yep, that's all the emotional stuff. And then um, concepts of stress and and even potential anxiety and even clinical levels of anxiety or depression can happen after injury um, but it all basically circles back to the, that the, the science, which is that negativity bias begins to play on us. Right. Um, does that make sense?
0: It totally makes sense. And then you you talk about the fear, the fear of you know, not only am I gonna not be able to play again, am I gonna give up my starting spot? Am I Going to get re-injured when you release this this emotion of fear. Isn't there a chemical that also releases in your body that can is harmful?
1: Correct. So that, that chemical is cortisol, and it's the stress um, hormone. And it is, you know, it, it has a purpose in, in in the fight or flight um, concept. Um, it it's the it's the chemical that basically readies you for battle. Um, so before a game, when you feel butterflies, that's, that's cortisol that, that begins that process okay. and, and that's okay. That's okay. It's the, it's the thing that kind of allows you to potentially, you know, say, you know, you, you know, you have a, somebody slide tackles you and you hit the ground pretty hard and you just pop back up and keep going. Well, if somebody just did that in the hallway in school, <laughs> that would hurt, but on field, the adrenaline is so high that that you can have something like that happen and you just pop back up and go, right? right? You can twist your ankle, you can, you know, jam your shoulder and somehow you keep playing and it's not till afterwards that you realize like, oh, that hurt a little bit more than I thought because at that point, your, your body was serving you well. Mm-hmm. And so cortisol and stress are not bad. In, by themselves, okay. what, however, what is bad, is when 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 it continues and it stays in us, and it keeps pumping through our system, then it starts to create some issues. And one of those issues is that we don't recover. We're not in. We don't we don't reach recovery phase. Hmm. And so hmm. when we're in that, that can then begin to work against us in terms of recovering from injury, or illness, or, or what happened. And so, you know, if tying it back to even the story of my dad, you know, one of the things that his doctors who were amazing, and some of the best in the field, um, but they continually said that one of the things that they felt helped him was his positive attitude that, and I, again, didn't understand it back then, but I do much more now is that, you know, if you feel like cancer is going to beat you, Unfortunately, it probably will right, but if you kind of feel like well, we're going to face this thing and we're going to battle it, and I'm not suggesting that by positive thoughts only right uh, you're going to beat it either. but what I can tell you is it's going to increase your odds
0: yeah, people don't say that there's power in positive thinking just for nothing there's actually some uh, physiological power within your body in thinking well because then you're not releasing those the cortisol that can you know, cause harm for you because if your body's always releasing that and you're in that fight or flight mode all the time, it it's telling your body not to recover.
1: Correct, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's as simple stated as it can be.
0: That's it's really interesting, and one of the big things for you too is how do you how do you harness all of that, right? How do you, as a sports psychologist, get your athletes to believe? Because there's a balance, right? You have to be okay with expressing emotions and how you feel and maybe the, some of the things that you're going through. But is a lot of what you're doing trying to um, refocus thoughts onto positivity? Or what's the main uh, thing that you try to get accomplish with each athlete? Or does it kind of vary?
1: Um, well, I have a, a somewhat of a protocol. Uh, I use with majority of the athletes that I work with that are that are injured. I had I had an athlete I worked with earlier today, college athlete who um, found out just the day before Thanksgiving that she had a stretch stress fracture in her hip. Um, So we started the protocol today, Um, you know, really talking about it today about, you know, mentally, how how we going to how are we going to deal with this? So there are some key some key pieces to it. And one of those um, pieces starts with uh, first and foremost, staying present. Um, So often, in fact, really the reality of anxiety and and stress is that it's uh, a prediction of the what if and the what if is in the future. So, as long as we're in agreement that we can't predict the future, um, then we're, we're already realizing like, okay, so why would I pay attention to that prediction if I already know I can't do that? And so one of the immediate ways to lower our stress or lower our anxiousness is to understand the concept of staying present and and living in the present moment. So going back to how I I attacked my doctoral program week by week is exactly what I do with athletes in terms of their, you know, recovery, especially from ACL, which is going to be a long term thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and we literally go week by week.
0: Right.
1: The, uh, the other thing that I do, which, you know, you may or may not find funny, is that I try to remind people that sports psychology, I'm not a, um, I'm not a motivational speaker. And I think. <laughs> You know, so I think sometimes people want, I'm going to, you know, rah, rah, and everything's positive and the world is perfect. And I actually don't do it that way. Um, If you're familiar with the, you know, the, um, the analogy of glass half full, half empty.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, so the concept is uh, obviously if the glass is half full, that means potentially you're an optimist. And if it's half empty, that means potentially you're a pessimist. Mm -hmm. But when I do it, I actually say to somebody, no, that it's neither, um, that it's just six ounces of water. (laughs) I love that. And and so anything else is what you put in or pull out of Uh, that. Yeah. But, and so the reason I, I do that is because I don't want to tell somebody that's going to be out for nine months that this is just be positive and just, you know what, there's going to be days that suck there's going to be days that are painful. There's going to be days where you're not going to want to get out of bed. There's going to be, you know, I have numerous stories of, you know, high school or even college athletes telling me that they cried at, at PT, you know, like yeah. I, I lost it. Yeah. Go to the bathroom. I, I my, I thought I was going I'd to be, be lucky up. if
0: I made it to the bathroom,
1: you know? And, <laughs> yeah. And so why deny that? Yep. Let's, let's, let's accept that those are, part of the process that those days are no different than the great days you know we can't have great days without those days as well it's just the way it works and so and part of that though is the acceptance that I don't have to beat myself up like today was a rough day Mm -hmm. but tomorrow is a is a is a brand new one
0: do you feel like as athletes sorry did I interrupt you no, no, you're good. Oh, Do you feel like as athletes that's harder for us because we, are, we have been told for so long that we have to tough things out, that we have to walk it off, that, you know, like this idea of being strong is opposite of being emotional? Or do you think that's just kind of um, something that we're taught in general as boys and girls? I think it's, well, it's harder for boys personally, but...
1: Yeah, I definitely think the concept of um showing emotion and vulnerability is is just culturally more difficult for guys than it is for girls, but but I definitely think that athletics um you know has some, you know, some things that we try to preach and, and most of those things are good on a <clears throat> for the average thing that happens. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. Um you know, uh, a loss, you know what, hey you're going to be fine uh, a bad game hey you're going to be fine a uh, twisted ankle that let's ice it and you know you should be maybe you know might be tender might be sore for a few days but you're going to be all right I think most of the time those that you know getting back to your analogy of when you you know you don't panic when you're when your child falls you know and you know uh, and just kind of responding to it in a you're, you're going to be fine but let's not yeah. let's not make this a bigger deal I think that that's reality and it's good. And it's certainly the way that my wife and I, you know, are with our kids and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, Saying that, you know, life is the full boat. We don't get to just have the good. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but I've never met a human being in my life that doesn't have moments where they got angry, moments where they got, happy moments where they had joy moments where they had sorrow moments where they were frustrated moments where they had complete achievement like that's what it means to be human
0: yeah
1: so so i don't care who you are the toughest whatever on earth has experienced every last piece of what i just said it's impossible because it would mean that they're not human to not experience Mm -hmm. the full um Uh,
0: gamut of what what,
1: what, there's a book by a guy named John Kabat-Zinn who runs the UMass pain um, clinic, pain and stress clinic. Mm -hmm. And he, he wrote a book and it's called full catastrophe living. And I didn't understand the the title, um, but what he meant by full catastrophe living is that that's what it means to be alive is that it's all of it. It's everything. So, you know, so, So you have to, so for us, when, you know, sometimes as coaches or parents or, or teachers or whatever to, to in essence, make someone feel like, especially a younger person feel bad for having a bad moment is, you know, to try to make them deny it and, and almost feel shame for having it does not help the process. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you happened to did you see the um, I want to say it was on Instagram after um, um, Gordon Hayward uh, oh. broke his ankle uh-huh. and Kobe, Kobe Bryant kind of sent him something through Instagram oh, yeah. uh, like, uh, Instagram where he, and
0: he- uh, I saw that and that was exactly the ACL club to me like everything he was writing was exactly how I want to support this community, right? Like it's 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 the good, bad, the ugly. It's the the small wins that help you through. It's the days where you can't think about even going close to the basketball court because you're you're sad and there's, you know, it's it's the full gamut. It's everything.
2: The community that Kobe just created with Gordon Hayward, a player that he doesn't even know. To reach out and say I know what you're going through bro and like you're gonna get through this
1: yep yeah it was it the thing is it was so spot on and I think one of the things that people don't recognize or maybe know as much about Kobe is that as as unbelievable physical athlete that he was like one of the best all-time skill wise and um and he was known to be kind of a ruthless competitor. Kobe spent a tremendous amount of time on the mind. Um, uh-huh. and, and, in fact, much of what I do is very much based in some of the stuff that he that he did as well. Um, and so – but the point being is that his message was spot on psychologically. Yeah. It wasn't just one – player to another, like, hey, I did it. This is what I did. You do this. Like, you could tell that he, it was it was something that he understood and probably researched, maybe even worked with to understand the steps of how you go about staying mentally committed during the right. process of, of recovery.
2: Hmm. That's really interesting. And maybe something that we can talk about um, on another podcast because I think those steps, going through those steps could be really interesting. But I want to talk to you. Um, I want to, I don't want to bop too far away from what I think is is interesting right now is the the mindfulness that you, and I'm sure that's, you know, a part of it as well, a part of that recovery process mentally. Yeah. Um, but you're really into mindfulness, and uh, just explain a little bit how you found out about it, or is this something that and and why it seems like mindfulness is something that kind of just came about recently? But it is something that people have been studying for a long time or implementing, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um it is, it is amazing because right now it feels like the rage. It feels like if you know if you read an, <laughs> right? you read an article either a self-help article or even about sports at this point you may find something mentioned um yet um this is what um Phil Jackson did with the Bulls back when Michael Jordan you know was with them and this was you know mid 90s um when when he when he introduced it to them and it was certainly had had been introduced prior to that in in you know uh in different sports in different places but that was like the 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 real first high high profile um team and player and coach that acknowledged it and and so but that's you know over 20 years ago now right and and so but that was probably the biggest then you know speaking of kobe when when phil jackson then coached the lakers um basically a decade i want to say later than than when he first introduced it the bulls he introduced it to the lakers and kobe became an absolute um you know fan uh and and adheres to it to this day um to the training of it so i came upon it i want to say maybe 2005 2006 is i mean i uh-huh. i knew about it prior to right. that but like when i really started to study it um and i wrote i read a book um uh Wherever you go there you are I believe okay. by, John, yeah. by John John Cavadzin uh, again the guy that's the the director of the uh, stress and pain management uh hospital for for UMass Medical and you know he's really the 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 godfather let's say of of mindfulness in America um you know kind of taking eastern philosophy and making it make sense for for the western world and yeah. and we um but anyways that's when i started to be introduced to it and at that point it was just something that i you know thought was good i tried um when i could um i introduced it in my work to people that i felt could benefit from it um but i can be honest with you that i did not practice it well and i didn't totally get it and and just for for basic just for description mindfulness is simply um being uh, aware and present to whatever is going on in in the present moment um with without judgment so mm-hmm. if you're mad or angry or frustrated you can experience that and be aware of it and not try to change it you can just kind of accept that it is what it is it's that's what i'm experiencing right now And vice versa, if you're happy and, you know, whatever, it's the same thing. But what it really teaches and where it benefits athletes is the ability to understand that difference between reaction and response. Mm. That just after a a, a bad mistake on the field or on the court, the the immediate is going to be the the emotion of, I just made a bad mistake, Um, whether it's embarrassment, anger, frustration you name it, um, but then right after that happens, there's the opportunity to respond to it. Athletes that are unaware that have not trained for it will typically potentially stay in that and keep replaying the mistake or potentially pre-play it future mistakes. What if I keep doing this? What if I keep making that mistake? Both of those things create either fears if they're replaying or anxieties and stress and pressure if they're pre-playing. Wow. And the same thing occurs with injury. Again, if all you do, I've had athletes who have come in and they just keep replaying the moment when they hurt their, you know, let's say their knee, they, they had the ACL injury. And it's like, why did, I, what, if I should have just gone down or I should have just got out of the way or why did I do that? And they keep almost beating themselves up for whatever happened. Mm-hmm. And and so that's gonna be hard, right? Yeah. Or or the like I said, the the, the pre play, which is the what if questions that, that start to happen. Yeah. And so mindfulness for me is a must for athletes that are injured because it's gonna teach you to just be present to whatever the goal is that day. And even if it doesn't go right that day, how are you going to respond to it? And Mm -hmm. isn't the next day just simply the next day, not a continuation of today?
2: Yes, I love that. I think that is so important because just like talking about feeling the emotion, just because you're having an emotional day or you're really frustrated one day doesn't mean that you can't wake up the next day and And understand that you can start fresh.
1: Yeah, and I will say this though, Um, it really takes work, and I and I don't want. to you use the
2: word practice.
1: Yeah, I I, said it 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 took. I
2: wasn't good at practicing it, and I thought that was that's something that stood out to me a, a second ago, and I think that's really important to talk about how you do have to practice it.
1: Yeah, like today. So the difference between when I first came to it and understood it and you know and and would do it would even teach it a little bit um in in you know more in seminars when i would speak to groups i would sometimes have them practice it to understand the concept but i'll be quite honest with you i would be in and out with it i just didn't understand the power of that there's a consistency so today i never miss i shouldn't say never I mean, I may have a day go by, you know um but but almost every single day without fail, I start my day with ten minutes of practice, Wow, and what I can tell you is is that the goal of that is that it it it's literally like the the muscle of the mind. work out every day, you're gonna be in better shape. Physically. And if you miss a day, you're going to be fine. If you miss three months, you're going to regress.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: If you work, you're going to have limited results. And so for me, the mind is absolutely, and the way I teach it, the same thing. If you want the results mentally, you you know, it, it, and I'm only asking 10 minutes a day. Yeah. But you, but you have to kind of put in that work.
2: Right, it it is a it's a disciplined practice, and I think you do have to put in that work. And 10 minutes doesn't seem that long when you just think about it. But it that first, you know, (laughs) when you're you're getting through those first few months, that's a or days. The first few days of doing 10 minutes is it can be really challenging. But I think it's that idea too of of not judging that you mentioned that is really makes uh, mindfulness so powerful.
1: Yes, it's it's an amazing.
2: All so clearly, you practice. I I don't practice. Oh, I
0: okay.
2: have. I did for a bit. Um, okay. I and maybe I do it um, just because I. I don't practice every morning, but I notice um, I'm very aware of like what I am thinking and um, feeling. Okay. And tr- try to. Re- and try to respond rather to react. So I okay. think I, you know, it's not a, a something that every day I'm practicing like you were saying. You 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 practice ten minutes in the morning, but I think that I am aware of. I I wonder how much better I would even be if I at, at responding or, um, you know, getting, exa- like what I'm doing with my work. How much better my work would be if I did practice every day. So I'm I'm interested to try to start again and and see how powerful it can be with what I'm doing. Yeah.
1: So you are one of the unfortunate ones that has now come in my path, and and I will not allow you to not begin to practice. So you're you <laughs> you are now <laughs> going to be you're going to be one of the people that I um I I actually don't pester because it's the kind of thing that's not about pestering, but but right. I. But the more that you and I uh, talk, I will I, – there's no way that I won't continue to in- influence <laughs> my yeah. my strong, uh, you know, like recommendation yeah. that is it, there, it is, it's life-changing. It,
2: yeah. And is there something that – I, I want to talk to you again and get a little bit deeper into this and maybe give an example to people what it feels like to practice or one of the, the sessions that you've created – but is there something in the meantime that they could do um, that they could practice or does it take a while to kind of explain what it is that you should be looking for? And is that something that you maybe want to do in the next podcast?
1: Well, I if you would want to love, do another podcast. <laughs> yeah, first of all, absolutely. I'd love to do another one. I think that the mission we have is um, so needed and, and creating that community is, it's just absolute so I'm, I'm on board and i'm i'm in and and i i love what you're doing so of course i would do another one and i would love to do it in more detail at in, yeah. in another podcast but i can i can absolutely give you a couple things um okay you know that i think could can at least start someone on the right track
2: okay um
1: the easiest way potentially um is a a, a little thing that to do in the morning um literally when your alarm goes off, this is what I tell people to do. Mm-hmm. Um the very first thing is to do what I call a six one seven breath, which is just a big deep centering breath. And here's why I do 617. six one a count of six in through the nose. And then you hold it for just one pause for a count of one, and then a full exhale for a count of seven through the mouth. Okay. So before you do a single thing, this deep, yeah. centering breath, and what that'll do is immediately make you present and aware, period. It just does, and it calms the system. The second thing that I ask everybody to, to in, in, in just in this process, just doing this, is is say one thing that they're grateful for. So for me every day I say I'm grateful for my wife and my kids. Mhm. And then the third thing is set an intention for the day. What okay. what do I what do I want for today? Now, it may not happen. You may lose sight of it. But I guarantee that if you don't set the day with an intention, it's going to be hard to do. So that could be I'm going to be for me. Often it is I'm going to keep myself present all day. Yeah. I recognize that when my day gets difficult, it is typically because I get too far out in front. I have too many things that I'm thinking about, and I I lose the present moment. Right. And so to me, that's the grounding directional focus. So just a simple and, and to do all that, how long do you think that takes? That's less than a minute. Oh yeah. But it, it begins the the concept of understanding what it means to be intentional and present.
2: I think that's really good too because it gives people to the idea of how powerful not you know, all of our moments are and that those first moments when you wake up if you do have those the idea to do those two three things. Then when we do check, talk next time and we introduce a little bit more, then you've already practiced every single day or with skipping a day or, you know, if if you do miss a day, that you jump right back on the next day because it's a new day. So yeah, that's, yep. if there's like a month that goes by, then you've been practicing for a month and it's three little things that you can do at the beginning of your day that can really help these people who are going through injury recovery.
1: Yeah. I mean, you'd be surprised by doing that practice, which, like I said, I guarantee is less than a minute.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, how how much you would realize that otherwise you go through your day in what is known as autopilot. Yeah. Which is, it's just kind of, I do what I do because I've always done, and just those three things make you aware of the concept of I have the opportunity to choose where I place my attention. Yeah. Uh, it's unbelievably powerful to choose where you place your attention. If you place your attention in negativity, in the what ifs, in the woe is me, is the, uh, in the I'm not going to do this, it's not going to work out, then unfortunately, that's the direction you will head. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's not a it It's just the reality, but if you choose to say, You know what, I'm grateful for something yeah i I have an intention of where I want to place my focus today. You pop yourself out of autopilot and into an intentional focus, yeah, now, you may lose that, and you probably will, and you'll probably right. lose a hundred times or more throughout the day,
2: mm-hmm. but
1: if you do it, it starts that concept of being able to say but I still get to choose where I place my attention.
2: Mm -hmm. That's awesome, Stuart. I think this is so good, and I think it's going to help a lot of people. And before I let you go, I want you to kind of explain um, both Well Performance and then DOSO, and um, explain a little bit more to people, too, about DOSO and how you came up with the the title of that.
1: Okay. So let me start – I'll start with that, and then I'll finish with well performance. Okay. So it's actually pronounced "do so."
2: Okay, I said it and wrong. May, that's so. okay,
1: and, and it's and, um, and it's the app um that I created, uh, and it's a it's it's for athletes or anybody that wants to perform, but it's very sport focused. And certainly, if a if a sales rep wanted to listen to it, he would understand or she would understand the the sport concept and could apply it to, to, you know, make it it needs to perform can use it.
2: Mm-hmm. And the
1: idea is that that word do so actually comes from the Latin phrase, non do so or do so, which means I am not led, I lead. So getting back to the way I said about getting out of autopilot, if we stay in autopilot or if we stay in the reaction of emotion, that's us being led.
2: Mm. If we move
1: mm-hmm. to response, that's us leading. So the concept is I am not led, I lead, is Is basically the foundation of my work, is to teach people that often the reason we go to a negative place is simply because we're not aware that that's what our thoughts are telling us, that our reaction and emotion is is leading us there, but we don't have to stay in that. Right. That if we but but then that goes back to the training portion of this, the practice of of learning how to spend that ten minutes a day doing your mindset workout is what I call them. So my app is do so D O S O one word. Um it's only in the App Store right now. Um for iPad or, or iPhones, but it's the goal is is that it's a it's about three minutes of a lesson on whatever that mental game topic is, and then about seven to eight minutes or so of learning the mindfulness technique. Yeah. Um, and I I promise you, um, and I guess this is going to sound real sales pitchy, but I but I. But I find I would tell you that I would almost guarantee that if you do it and you do it regularly, there's no way it can, and how you react and respond. Yeah. Does that make well, sense?
2: Yeah, it's not salesy. I think that's just the truth, right? <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, I I've, I've just seen too many people and how they've how they've you know. Um, taken it on and, and made it part of who they are um and, and you know really big time athletes um people that have had amazing success and and down to high school students um yeah. it, but but it all is the same um it and all, the brain yeah. is is the same so um so yeah at the end of the day um you know i i I encourage it tremendously, so that 's the do so app. And then Well Performance is the name of kind of my, my company. Um, and I came up with the name because, to me, um, we focus so much on performance in sports. Everything's performance, performance, performance. Um, and and it makes sense, and, and I'm okay with that. But the reality is is that sometimes we can perform and we can get to the end result, but we didn't do it in a mentally or physically healthy way. And so the well part of well performance means that we did it, but we did it in a well or healthy way. We did it based in fundamentals that are repeatable and healthy and sustainable rather than let's get to the end result, but at the end of the day, it's not sustainable. So someone can get the end result by taking PEDs, but at at some point that's going to come back in and it's unhealthy as in we cheated and you get caught or unhealthy as in it's going to impact your, your physical health. Right. Um, so the performance aspect is not enough. It, it needs to be done in a way that's repeatable and healthy and sustainable. And that creates success for the long run.
2: Well, so that's I well love that. Yeah. I think that's awesome. And um I like those three words. I just wrote them down, repeatable, healthy, and sustainable, because I think it's so true, especially when you're recovering, you don't, um, you know, you want to tell yourself to focus on the things that are like, that are positively repeatable, right. Things that you can do. You want to be the, the best you, I tell people that all the time, like you're not just trying to hit a timeline. You're trying to become fully healthy again. Like, yeah. You want your full health, and, and that's why I think the ma- the mental side of it is so important, too, is because that is a big part of feeling fully healthy is feeling like you can use your brain to help you um, recover as well. And then sustainable, like, let's get you to the place where this isn't, you know, a- you feel like you can sustain your performance all the time. I love that. I think it's really cool. It's and
1: not random, you know. Yeah, yeah. One thing that I think that I try to do more than anything else is give people a framework to be resilient. Like it, it, a lot of people know a lot of things. They've heard great catchphrases. They've read a great article, a great book. Or they had a great coach, a great parent, a great teacher. And they try to piece together a bunch of things and, and they – and if it works, awesome. If not, we'll move on to the next catchphrase or book or whatever. And, and what I try to do for the athletes that work with me directly is that I'm going to give them a framework that I all but can guarantee if we stick within this framework, you can, in, in essence, uh, I call it, um, you push everything through this framework. Everything yeah. that you do, you push through that hole. And and when you do, it's, it's you know, the results are, are pretty um, you know, again, we'll use the word sustainable. They're going to happen yeah. because there's there is a framework. It's yeah. it's not a, it's not a guessing game.
2: Right. Well, Stuart, I love this. I thank you so much, and I'll connect um, your app. And I'll put the link to your app. I'll put the link to your website on here so people can check that stuff out and hopefully download the app and start working on this stuff. But I'm excited to continue working with you. There's still a couple of questions that I didn't get to that I think are important that we've talked about. Um, so I'm excited to talk about those with you next time.
1: Yeah. I feel like we're so, we're just, uh, just scratching the surface. Yeah. We're scratching the surface right now. Like what we could discuss. There's so much that we could go over. So right. this was great. I appreciate it.
2: Yes, I appreciate appreciate you. Thank you so much.
0: Wow, what an awesome conversation with Stuart. He had me writing down a page full of notes during that whole conversation because there are so many things he said that are applicable to our lives right now, especially if you're in the recovery mode of injury you can continue to get better even in those moments where you feel like physically you're not growing. If you can work on your brain, it is going to help you so much figure out a way to get through this recovery process. So I loved some of the things that he said. I I told you that the three things that he said that were simple and, and towards the end is a deep breath right in the morning when your alarm goes off. The second thing is, gratitude be grateful for something and the third thing is to have an intention for the day what a great way to start to begin to practice mindfulness and to begin each day with just this feeling of uh, steadiness and calm and not go 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 but having an intention to be grateful and to be present he said so many good things i loved when he spoke about his father and how much he learned from him and how that influenced what he did. But there's just so many things that I could pick from from what Stuart said. So I'm really excited to continue to talk with him and teach you guys through him some of the techniques that he spoke about in this podcast. So if you like this, please, please, please write a review from us for us on iTunes. It would mean so much to me because it is through your reviews that other people find the podcast and other people get the same exact help that you get so we are so grateful so thankful for the reviews that you do share on iTunes it means a lot to us and for the rest of the week I want you guys to go out there show your scars with pride and be present be mindful of how you are in a situation and choose to respond accordingly I'm so proud of you guys go out and show your scars